0: Hello, everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome to Episode 25 of Speaking of the Arts. My guest today is Michael Jaworek. Michael has been a concert promoter for over 40 years, presenting pop, jazz, blues, and world music, as well as dance companies. His activities are focused in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland markets, where he is vice president of the legendary Birchmere and books the Birchmere on a daily basis, along with other venues as needed. Michael has been nominated many times as Nightclub Talent Buyer of the Year by Polestar Magazine. He is also a co-founder of the Washington Area Music Award and has been a NARAS member and served on the Washington, D.C. Board of Governors for Philanthropy. In 2013, Michael received the International Talent Buyers Association Club Buyer of the Year Award. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Well, first, I want to say congrats to you and Gary and everyone else at the Birchmere for celebrating 50 years. That's quite the accomplishment, especially in the dynamic industry we work in. Uh, We are amazed that we are still here, but somehow or other, we are. Yeah. Well, take us back to the beginning and and fill in some blanks in your bio that I just read. How did you get started in the music industry? Uh, I was a student at the University of Illinois, uh, many years ago, and
1: myself and three other guys formed a group called Blues Power, which uh, basically was a <clears throat> blues concert producing group. And uh, the first show we did, I believe it was in February of '72, was with Hound Dog Taylor and the House Rockers, with Blind Jim Brewer as the opener. And we needed about 500 people to break even there at the Illini Rooms, A, B, and C, in the Student Union, and Ended up doing close to 1,500. So, you know, there we were, and uh, with a pack of money going, Boy, this is easy. And of course, (laughs) (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. But anyhow, still doing it after all these years. And um, did Blues Power. We did most of the artists that were out of the Chicago Blues scene, um, with the exception of Muddy and Wolf. Wolf passed before we got there. Muddy, I didn't play until later. And then I got involved with the student concert committee uh, called Star Course, but as a a graduate student um, and served on the board there and advised them as to what concerts to uh, offer on or pass. And um, then uh, after that, ended up uh, at the universities of Tennessee and Maryland as the staff advisor for the student concert committee, film committee, special events, things like that, and did all sorts of shows for, uh, I guess, between the two schools, between 70. 70- 6 and 85.
0: And are you originally
1: from Illinois or where where are you from? No, I was originally from Newark and Nutley, New Jersey. Uh, My dad happened to go to Illinois um, so I didn't know what I was going to do and I figured, well, it's as good a school as any and I applied there and got in and as it turned out, um, I had a wonderful wonderful experience and uh, I think it's a great school and immediately after uh, getting my bachelor's and then master's uh, sent in the money to be a lifetime uh, alumni member. Oh,
0: that's great. So we, you were working as a as an advisor for the University of Maryland and and, and Tennessee. What how did you eventually become involved with the Birchmere? <laughs> well, what happened was in 85 I went with a
1: um I guess you could call it a professional concert company, a group called Chesapeake Concerts that was a spin-off um with one of the principals of cellar door concerts which eventually became part of the Live Nation conglomerate. And um we needed a after a few years it became obvious we needed a club to grow grow uh artists and uh I cold cold called the Birchmere owner Gary Olsey and said I thought I could increase and diversify his business and of course help ourselves when the acts would um grow out of the club because at that point gary was not doing shows outside the building except any that may have been focused on the seldom seen bluegrass group which he managed at the time and and then um uh so i was working with chesapeake and i was also booking the birchmere and other some other clubs uh like the ram's head for a bit and then in 97 um, we built or i should say gary built the this the current the third edition of the birchmeres uh, of the Birchmere building, if you will, and um simultaneously we talked about going in house, which I did in ninety seven and have been here since, and um promoting the shows at the club and anything we do outside the building in the d c and Baltimore markets
0: How would you say your job as a promoter has changed over the years? Um, especially with the rise of the Internet and technology. It's something I'm particularly interested in. Well, I
1: think um, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, in As they say in those thrilling days of yesteryear, basically there was a radio station or not that matched the format of the act, print, maybe if it was appropriate you did handbills or cards, um, and that was kind of about it in terms of marketing, you know, stuff you paid for uh but with the way the industry has uh radically changed the internet's arrival has dramatically affected uh what we do um we have sold out shows strictly off of uh being on our website um off of the email blast that we have for the club we've got almost 100,000 names um on our email list for the club and of course that is dramatically cheaper than paying hundreds of dollars per inch at the Washington Post or hundreds of dollars for radio, uh, you know, for a radio spot. And so, to a degree, um, <clears throat> if it's efficient, um, say where our um, email list <coughs> and an artist is very focused, I mean, we can save a ton of money um, in in advertising. And in fact, to show you how dramatic. The uh, the internet has affected our business. About mm, three four years ago, we cut our ad in the Washington Post, our advertising in half, and our business in no way diminished. That's a huge savings. And I, and yeah. I, I was just going to say, and also with Facebook and YouTube, etc., artists have you know exploded. Uh, and having nothing to do with radio or sometimes even TV.
0: I'm going to jump around for just a second here um, mm-hmm. in some of the questions I was going to ask you, but you mentioned radio a few times, and I noticed there's a uh, few digital initiatives on the Birchmere website, one of them appropriately called Birchmere Radio. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Is it? How did it start? Do you find it? Working in terms of attracting listeners, is it I'd love to hear about that
1: well i would have to pass that over to the guys who do the digital marketing uh because they can give you much more information on it and uh because it really was not something I was involved in other than you know giving my blessing to it uh my knowledge of the digital world is ver uh, is admittedly very limited um but it has helped because anything that focuses uh, attention on your club or on your activities uh and uh, you know hearing is still believing and it's still if you hear the act um it will it, it, there's an emotional attachment that can uh, immediately occur and a focus and so anything you can do to um to cut through the the uh, huge amount of volume that's going on out there is a good thing but it, it, the specific details of it, I'd
0: have to refer you to somebody else here. Sure. No, no problem. So, I, yeah, I, I love hearing the contrast of when you started and versus now how marketing is done. so instead of looking at the current um, lineup of artists, how, in general, would you say the Birchmere markets it shows then? You mentioned a really huge assets with the email list. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that plays a large role in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, we are in –
1: we do – because our audience is more adult uh, who are less – somewhat less Internet savvy or definitely less Internet savvy than uh, teens or 20-year-olds, we are in the Washington Post every week with a strip ad in the uh, weekend section as well as (coughs) – pardon me, I'm getting over a bug – as well as the um, uh, uh, the city paper, which is the usual free weekly with a strip ad, and the Washington Express, which is a uh, publication of the Post that they distribute for free. Um, and it's almost a condensed version of the Post, but also has somewhat different material in it uh, geared towards, I think, the 20 to 40-year-olds. Um, and uh, besides that, uh, that's that's the main expense that we occur on a uh, weekly basis um, as we have shows that may be appropriate for um, rate, certain radio stations. We will use them, but we do not have a AAA station in the market or an Americana station in the market, and as such, or i should say we haven't for a quarter century so there is not a station we can either buy spots on or billboard you know which is i guess the non-profit uh, euphemism for buying spots um for you know for this market and it does make that does make a difference because in the triple a world those stations have developed uh devoted followings more so than some other uh formats i think and um I, I, we really miss the one of the granddaddies of AAA WHFS, which changed formats from a AAA format to a hard alternative uh, format 25 years ago, and then ultimately, uh, I think went Latin, and now I believe is um, uh, a news station. Yeah, in fact, that I know it is. So that's been a real lack in the Washington market for us to uh, to. <laughs> to reach people, um, the internet. I mean, you know, we'll do Facebook posts and things like that, uh, and that will that will help as well as do linking with the with the ex uh, websites and those. That aspect helps a whole
0: lot too, of course. What advice would you have for an artist who's interested in playing the Berkner but has never actually played there before? Uh, well,
1: it's it's tough because. Um, the, the house costs are such and the size of the venue is such that unless
0: someone
1: if someone is looking at a headline here unless they can do at least 300 tickets at a 20 to $25 uh, price tag we just cannot afford to, to present them um, more and more in terms of a real change in our business uh, promoters are less and less um, allowed to uh, uh, provide support for a show. You know, shows are packaged so much that there's very few times in this room where uh, someone who's operating independently uh, can be used as an opening act, and it's really a drag because, of course, then we—it's not our agenda. You know, we can't develop somebody we want to develop. It's some other person's agenda, manager, an agent, an artist. You know, so that's been uh, annoying.
0: But that's one of the big changes. And how in general, how do you learn about new artists? What are some of the resources? Uh, Boy, there's many. Uh,
1: it it comes from all sorts of uh, locales. Um I read Billboard cover to cover because there's always nuggets in there. Uh we get SoundScan, Scan. Um Polestar I read again from cover to cover because uh there's grosses, of course, in the back, which gives you hard data on on uh on sales uh also, it has the international scene where sometimes there's something popping up over there which may or may not be relevant over here in america um, I read voluminously in terms of uh you know magazines and um and weekly papers all of which may have uh and uh, that may have information I look at other uh, venues <clears throat> in at, in town and out of town as to what they're playing. Um, I talk to other promoters around the United States, uh, even a few in Canada, um, and assemble uh, that information. And and uh, but it's not you know it's not an exact science. It's not a linear business, and um, people can go from zero to hero and then back again within this, a very short space of time, and not just in the ultra pop parts of the uh of the world um there are also a number of uh people that i contact who are specialists within certain genres if i have questions and see what they know about an act that i don't know about and that's that's kind of the uh, sort of things that i do and um
0: you know i think that's really what kind of what all of us do yes you you mentioned um Seldom Scene at the beginning and sort of Gary's connection with them. Hmm. I'm curious what are some other examples of artists you've worked with over the years who have successfully developed in in the market specifically in your market. Oh, uh
1: well, for example, right now we're playing the Avett Brothers who uh we started at a very small club uh here called the uh, the Iota and then went to the Birchmere and then went to um a couple of theaters in the market. Uh, and now ha them playing the Eagle Bank Arena for the third time um, as just one example. Uh, of course, this is the, <coughs> the home club for Mary Chapin Carpenter, um, who was an opening act and then, of course, <coughs> went on to Greater Glory and, in fact, was three-time CMA Female Vocalist of the Year. Um, so, you know, there's any number of artists. Lyle Lovett came up through the club. Uh, his first appearance was as an opening act with... Guy Clark, and we played Lyle here and at Constitution Hall and other theaters in the DC
0: market over the years as his career grew. What specifically did you notice about the way that some of those artists that you just mentioned built their audience that seemed to work as compared to, say, artists who were unable to do so? I mean, what, you know, if you had to pick a few things that really stood out to you about the way these artists. Viewed their careers and just approached things, I mean, are there some pretty stark contrasts that you can identify
1: well, uh specific to some of those, I think it's a case where with the Avit brothers, there is an engaging, joyful aspect to their show, and I think that was the that was the hook. For building an audience that people really enjoyed seeing with the, uh, seeing them and feeling at one <clears throat> with the group's joy, with Chapin and Lyle, I think they came up at a time when uh, Nashville was investing big money in uh, uh, what I'll call singer-songwriters, and um, they found an audience. Uh, and, and country radio was also willing to give those artists a shot uh, back in the early '90s. Um, ultimately country formats changed but there was a base that was developed by their uh because the, the the labels invested country radio played their songs and they were so good at their presentation and their and their writing that they developed an audience that stayed with them and grew even independently from radio support or even label you know major label support over time Right.
0: Um, All right, I want to shift here just for a second. In 2012, Mm -hmm. the Birchmere opened its Flex Stage, Mm -hmm. and that has, if I'm correct, a capacity of about 1,000? Yes,
1: it's a uh, 1,000 capacity stand-up room. Mm -hmm. We'll use it for um, artists that are really not right for a seated venue, but are still right for our sort of you know, if you will, audience. Um, George, we played Zach Brown band. George Thorogood. Um, we played a number of uh, international acts, such as Amadou and Mariam um, Orchestra, Baobab, who are my probably one of my favorite groups in the world. Um, so Magnetic Fields have played there too. So Jenny Lewis. So it's more <clears throat> it's more used, uh, or it's used when we have an act where the either it's more appropriate uh, because of the sort of music the act makes, you know, George's music and Zach's music is pretty frisky, uh, that where it's conducive to um, a stand-up situation, or if the artist, like with Jenny Lewis, really wanted a
0: stand-up gig, and we said, okay, we'll do it. And have you noticed the added capacity um, sort of helping bring – People to the Birchmere who hadn't been there before when the it was just a smaller room has it sort of helped? No,
1: not not so much that. I think that it's whether it's in the music hall, 500 seats all seated, or the flex stage. Uh, it's a we're a, we're a concert club. It's not a hangout. So it's always a function of who's on stage. And if you have the without being facetious or simplistic about it, if you have the show people want to see, it's funny how they want to go. And if you have somebody that may be out of the usual course of what, of what we do, uh, so instead of somebody who's say a singer-songwriter of a certain age, that um, those audiences will discover the club through our advertising and you know our marketing and promotion, and, um, and hopefully they will uh, stay with us because they'll s- discover a wonderful uh, a wonderful environment to hear music you know we have a free lighted secure parking lot which is rare in this market um, we start at 7:30 with all shows because people get up at 6 and 5 and 4 in the morning to go to work and I don't care whether you're 21 or 91 uh, you know that's when you get up um, we have great a great menu uh, we have a full adult beverage service but we are always all ages all the time and so that allows us to do you know, basically anything that fits the geography of the room. We don't do metal, we don't do hip hop, because our rooms are not right for for those acts. But whether it's um, a one man show or uh, a comedian or, or virtually any other type of music, uh, if it sells tickets, we can do it, and we do.
0: What are some of the more memorable concerts you've promoted over the years? If you had to pick just a few that come to mind? Mm, gosh. Uh, if it's specifically in the Birchmere,
1: um, it would be, um, golly, who comes to mind? Uh, Beth Hart, uh, seeing her return to, uh, the performing stage in the United States, who's just a a tremendous, um, rock and roll singer and performer. Um, as I said, Orchestra Baobab, who are from Senegal and play a combination of, um, Latin and African music that just is thrilling. <clears throat> uh we did the last public engagement on Ray Charles so that was extremely memorable on a bunch of uh levels um the late great bb B. king was here and uh tore you know just absolutely showed why he was the king of the blues uh, wow um you know there's so many we do 250 300 shows a year and i've booked the club since 1987 so um, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but, you know, there's any number of shows that uh, remind me, as I put it, why I go to work in the morning. Yeah. T- tell me about the Ray Charles show. Well, he, um, it, it, obviously, very late in his career, and uh, I still don't know how we fit the whole orchestra and the Ray on the stage. I think we built it out a little bit, but it was just, I mean, it was great. It was living history. Um, I'd seen... Uh, Charles before, of course, in concert, uh, but to see him here in a 500 seater um, and pounding out his hits, and he was very, very uh, (coughs) gracious and very good that night, as was BB the first time we had him in, and just, you know, just reminded uh, me why, you know, these are Godfathers of the music industry. And what what year would that have been? Um, Oh. Gosh, it was one year before he passed away,
0: so 93, I can't remember, sorry. Sounds like it was a very, very memorable concert. Yes,
1: it was true. No, it couldn't have been 93, it was probably around 03, sorry, Uh, because we didn't move into this building until 97. Um, My chronology is off here,
0: obviously, but uh, it was really
1: just an
0: incredible show. Sounds like it. Can you suggest a few artists you've been listening to lately that that are newer that um everybody listening should check out? Sure. Uh, I think Aubrey
1: Sellers, uh who's a new Americana uh vocalist and the daughter of um uh the well-known Leanne uh uh um oh gosh, what's her mom's name? Uh Leanne uh I <laughs> I'm blanking here. Uh but anyhow, she's uh really really uh Wonderful uh, following in the wake of of her mom, and um, I also think that uh, there's a, a woman out of Australia who I saw at the Folk Alliance, uh, um, Rowena Wise, who I thought was really impressive. Uh, not on, uh Leanne Walmack, of course. That was who it is. Um, uh, <clears throat> I thought Rowena Wise was really really good, much like uh, Sean Colvin. Um, well, the world now knows about the Pentatonics, of course, who we've presented in concert. Um, Scott Bradley and the Postmodern Jukebox are a lot of fun as a, uh, uh, a party band, if you uh, are familiar with them. Um, I think uh, Liz Longley is a wonderful singer songwriter, um, as is another woman named Jen Grinnells. Uh, Dory uh, Freeman on uh, Free Dirt Records put out. A record that reminds me very much of Emmylou Harris's "Pieces of the Sky," her debut album. So I would say check out Dory. Um, for people who don't, uh, let's see, from D.C., I think um, Owen Danoff, who is the son of uh, the um, um, locally based writer Bill Danoff, uh, who's now uh, Owen is now on The Voice, and uh, he's got I think a future ahead of him, though not. Re- uh, but only recorded um, his own records yet, but I think there'll be a future for uh, for Owen. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, a, oh, a woman out of Australia also who performs under the name Ruby Boots, who's kind of like Lucinda Williams. She's really good. So this, uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, artists that are out there that I think are well worth uh, checking out.
0: Yeah, I would say I'm familiar with about a third of the artists you mentioned. So I'm I'm looking forward to going back and checking out some of these some of these other artists that I, I wasn't familiar with. Yeah, I mean there's so many coming up all the time. Uh, Sean Trishka
1: Anderson East um of course Sturgill Simpson at this point is, has gone through the roof but, you know, not so long ago he wasn't that well uh that well known. Um Sam Lee from Britain is one of the best of the neo traditionalist Uh British uh, singer songwriters uh, Robert Sarazin Blake is a uh, latter day uh, John Hyatt Donna Ulysses is a wonderful she's had a deal on Atlantic but she's a wonderful Alison Krauss sort of a uh, singer songwriter I mean there's just so many it goes on and on whether they're people who are 21 or 41 or even 61
0: yes there's a lot of great artists out there for sure mm-hmm. um when you think about the next sort of three to five years and if we were having this conversation, let's just say three years from now, mm-hmm. what would you hope to have sort of seen the Birchmere do or, um you know, I'm just wondering if uh, there's sort of some big goals on the horizon. What, what, what would make you feel happy with your sort of success as a promoter in the next three to five years?
1: Boy, just to survive, in this specific market,
0: there have been
1: uh, a rise within the past three years of many more uh, people presenting and doing shows for whatever reasons. And as a result, it becomes a a seller's market, making the price more retail. Uh, But also, the way it affects the business is that artists, because there's too many choices, don't make decisions uh, and, you know, holds are lost or veils are lost things like that um i just hope that we stay in business and that we're able to keep doing what we're doing uh, that we've done for the past 50 years and um maintain our market share and maintain our reputation as uh we call it in our tagline america's legendary music hall
0: certainly well you know again congrats on 50 years i think um I'd be shocked if uh, you know if there wasn't a hundredth celebration fifty years from now. We <laughs> can only hope. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's really great what you guys are doing, um, and this has been really wonderful, Michael. I want to thank you so much for your time, and again for for your participation here today. This has been great. It's been a pleasure, and thank you. Good luck with uh, future podcasts. Thanks a lot, Michael. See you.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye.